I'm sucking the youth right out of you. Yep, that's exactly it. That's what it is. It is yep. what it is. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the youths, how are our children today? How are we, are we doing, do- children? Are we doing like a, a Door of the Explorer uh, type where we ask how people are and then there's silence? Like, us too. Can you say depression? <laughs> Pretty much. Muy bien. Depression. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just wanted to know how the kids were doing. Are the kids all right? Do we need to talk about Kevin? My kid? <laughs> I mean, I guess we do kind of need to talk about Kevin. But, Which um, Kevin? Um, didn't Ezra Miller star as oh, Kevin? Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> we yeah, need yeah, to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, Kevin? You know. They're, the, they're a little out there, as my mom would say. They're a little out there, um, and they're also a little missing right now. So, oh, yeah? Oh, that... On the lamp? <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, we need. We don't need to just talk about Kevin. We need to talk to Kevin. We need to like locate said Kevin. 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 Oh, yeah. That's not what this episode <laughs> is about. Let's just say every pop culture character <laughs> named Kevin. Um. Yeah, that's not the episode today. But w- no. maybe we'll get to that because that's a whole can of worms right there. And it keeps getting wormier. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we'll, we'll just have to see. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but this week is we're still crime culture. We've always mm-hmm. been, and we continue to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, this episode, we're talking about the Lake Boda murders, which I am intrigued by because I haven't heard of. But as I said to you off mic, you said Lake Bodum, and I immediately thought like the coffee Bodum brand, and I mm-hmm. like the coffee gear brand, and I was like, they did what now? To who? It's spelled it's spelled B O D O M. So I, every uh, YouTube was highly unhelpful. I usually yeah. go to like I try to go to like YouTube uh news clips to find out like the pronunciation of people's names and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but this happened in the 1960s, so there's not yeah. a lot of like news clips and every single person that has covered this on like YouTube and stuff uh is like I'm just throwing these names out there and see if they stick. So nobody knows the true pronunciation. I'm doing my best. I've, I am the worst at pronouncing things, but also I find the international cases so very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I always uh, am stuck in that uh, intersection of wanting to cover a case, but not being able to pronounce everything. So I believe it's called Lake Bodum. It could be Bottom. Bodom. Bikini Bottom? No. Bottom and Gamora? No. It, I'm gonna say Lake Bodum because that's how everybody else is. <laughs> that's the one that makes us the least uncomfortable. So uh, that's what we're this, gonna do. This is uh, the most famous unsolved uh, case in Finnish criminal history. Oh shit! Yes. Well, isn't wait a minute? Isn't Sin from Finland? Sin, Sin. I believe, is from Finland. So yes, a Finnish Sin, baby. Sin will just make fun of my pronunciations for everything. So True. feel free. Feel Sin free to do so. Sin will tell you how to pronounce Lake Bodum. Yes. Yes. If And if Sin has been there or if any of our other Finnish listeners have been there, send me photos. I want to see this place for yeah, real. You got homework. Yeah. So this is our story begins on June 4th, 1960. When two couples set out on a camping weekend at Lake Bodum is near Espoo, 
which is Finland's second largest city, as I've been told mm-hmm. from the internet. Um, the couples in question are 15-year-olds Myla Bjorklund and... M-I-L-A? Bjork, B-O, B-J-O, fancy O, R-K-L-U-N-D. Yeah, yeah, I asked about the first name. I spelled M-I-L-A. There oh, was yeah. no B mentioned. M-A-I-L-A. M-A, okay, okay. Myla Bjorklund. 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 Elliot's being, got it. Yeah, I'm being, uh, I was coached ahead of time, <laughs> and it all is gone from my head. Yeah. Tell me your husband lived in europe without telling me your husband lived in europe and the look and on his face behind yeah, you he can't hear you to hear he can't you hear me shit. he can't hear me talking shit but the look on his face oh. he immediately was like he, she's gonna say it <laughs> yeah give it oh you got the finger <laughs> i got the uh, finger i gave him the finger well i, I fingered first i'm going back ready all right 15 year olds myla bjorkland yes and anya mckay mm. maki Okay, just kidding. They were joined by their 18-year-old boyfriends. Also, this is the 1960s. Yes, they were 15, and they have 18-year-old boyfriends. It's 60s, a different time. 60s. Yeah, yeah that made more sense. Because I, yeah. you saw my face. Like, yep. <laughs> uh, There was no... Uh, as far as I have read, uh, this has never come up. Their age differences, I believe. Like, everything was above board, and they were good couples, and... It was the 1960s, free love, date whoever the fuck you want. Um, but their 18-year-old boyfriends are named Seppo Boisman and Nils Gustafsson. Gustafsson. Oh. Gustafsson. <laughs> Gustafsson. It's hard, uh, hard on the G. Okay, so these couples, they arrived at their campsite. They set up their tent and they enjoyed their day on the lake, fishing, mm-hmm. drinking, hanging out, whatever. Um, so after hanging out for a bit, the boys went fishing and they all headed to bed, according to reports, around 10.30 p.m. The next day, around 6 a.m., two young boys were hiking and bird watching in the area and they reportedly saw a collapsed tent and spotted a blonde man walking away from the area. They weren't close enough to see any details, but it was clear that the tent had been torn and slashed. They didn't say anything because they didn't think anything of it. Around 11 a.m., uh, according to, like, these are from different websites and different uh, reports on the case. There's a lot that I think possibly might have been lost in translation, especially some of the eyewitnesses that I'm not going to even include names because I've heard different accounts of different people. So I'm not even going to bother with specific people. But from a couple accounts that I have heard, it, um, it was around 11 a.m. that a man and his son were on the lake either swimming or hiking or whatever and they saw the collapsed tent and they approached the peninsula where the lake was at where the campsite was at and um they saw that there were uh the bodies of the the teenagers there Mm -hmm. and so obviously they they called the police and when they arrive they saw the extent of the crime scene so boisman was found in the tent lying on his back he was bludgeoned in the head and had stab wounds to his neck and chest and he died from blood inhalation and had suffered terrible damage to his skull, including a broken jaw. Oh, my Maki, God. Yeah. Mackie was also in the tent in the fetal position. She had been hit hard enough on the head not only to break her jaw in two places, but knock out at least one tooth. Wow. Bjorklund took the brunt of the attack. She had been stabbed 15 times after she was already dead many times. Uh, and it was in the neck and face. She was bludgeoned and she had defensive wounds on her arms. 
She was almost naked from the waist down. One leg of her pants was pulled entirely off and the other was halfway down. There's conflicting reports whether she was in the tent or outside the tent or halfway in, halfway out. Um, but miraculously, Gustafsson was still alive, but just barely. He was found lying mostly outside of the tent on his front, clothed except for his shoes. He had blunt force trauma to his face, including a broken jaw and a gash on his cheek. The wound was so deep that the medical staff could see his teeth through the <gasps> hole. Holy shit. Yeah. But also, goddamn, that, that he survived. That he was still alive? Yeah. yeah. Damn. He had also suffered a hard blow to the back of his head and was leaking cerebral fluid through <gasps> his nose. <gasps> yeah. Doctors said at the time that without urgent medical care, Gustafson could have died from his injuries. Which, yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, all of his mm -hmm. campmates had, so it's a wonder that he was still alive. Right. Uh, the local police, the KRP, would come under criticism for allowing the scene to be trampled over by both investigators and onlookers throughout the day. Basically, they arrived, didn't secure the crime scene, and, like, enlisted help from anyone that walked by of, like, finding clues. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? And, like I said, this is the most famous unsolved crime in Finnish history. Mm -hmm. And it's it's it reminds me so much, like, not the, the details of the case or anything, but, like the lack of police knowledge reminds me of the um uh john bonnet ramsey case yeah like didn't secure the crime scene unsolved case because possible uh evidence was like trampled over or tampered with or mm -hmm. never even found mm -hmm. so it, it's one of those cases that like it's probably unsolved because the police mishandled it greatly well and i would also i wouldn't just not not I mean, a cab, but I would also put that on like nobody really knew the power of DNA evidence in the 60s either. Well, like, they weren't. Yeah, they weren't testing DNA yeah. evidence. But I'm saying uh, something as simple as like footprints, oh, like a shoe yeah. print or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Not securing the crime scene is like yeah, the bare. You got that's the bare gotta, minimum. You, you can't gotta. have people just walking through the crime scene. Right. Because you could have theoretically, you could have somebody who is responsible for the crime going over to make sure that it, they covered their tracks properly. Yeah, or going to get back something that they may have left behind. Or yeah, exactly. Or checking to see what they were doing and planting a red herring. Yeah, exactly. So it, not securing the crime scene is like huge strike number one for this case. Mm -hmm. um, but there was also criticism over the whole investigation because there were problems caused by Swedish-speaking police misunderstanding Finnish locals, and uh, there were also accusations of evidence being ignored throughout the case. So it's one of those. Mm -hmm. um, but here are the basics of the investigation at the scene. So although it hardly... It, although it hardly sets in this part of the world at this time of year, the sun rose around 3 a.m. that morning. It's one. It's like so far up north that like the sun like barely like dips below the horizon before it like comes back up. So there's no real like dead of night that this crime could have happened. Right. But along with the fact that Lake Bodum is very popular for all sorts of activities, hiking, fishing, swimming, like ever like a lot of people go to this lake, and it's so mm -hmm. close to. Um, uh, major cities that it's a huge destination for people to go to. Right. But this means that there was only a very small window, perhaps between 3 a.m. and 5.30 a.m., where this attack could have possibly taken place. Mm-hmm. And it appeared that somebody had crept up, 
cut the tent guy ropes while the teens were sleeping. And once it collapsed on them, it was easy to just bludgeon and stab through the cloth. So it's very easy that this person could have cut the ropes, trapped these people in the tent and stabbed them and gotten away. And nobody would have seen them because everyone was in the tent at at the time. Yeah. Um, A lot of the teens possessions were scattered around the campsite and it wasn't clear initially what might be missing, but offers of, Officers eventually discovered several items, including their wallets and the keys to their motorcycles, although the Mm. motorcycles were still there. So just the keys are missing. Okay. Uh, Boisman's leather jacket uh, was also unaccounted for. The police and army began a search of the land and water, and a soft drink bottle was seen bobbing in the water on the shoreline next to the tent, and two fingerprints were lifted from it, but never matched to anyone. And it's unclear if this bottle is actually evidence or just happened to be floating in the area. Like, mm-hmm. it could just be litter. Yeah. It could be from another campsite close by. Like, it, it, you good can't thought, know. Yeah. but yeah. Um, Gustafson's shoes were later found semi-hidden on about a half mile from the campsite, uh, but the murder weapons, the knife, and whatever blunt object they were hit with was never located, ever wow. found. Yeah. The most confusing item found that I didn't see written on too many reports. I saw it on this one website. Um, I'll get to it at the end when I when I look at my sources. Yeah. But um, one site made mention of this, but not a lot of others did. So I don't know if this is like accurate evidence but they mm-hmm. had crime scene photos and this was in it but um apparently there was a pillowcase found next to the tent wrapped up and tied with an elastic band and both blood and semen were found on the fabric oh but it couldn't be determined if the blood belonged to this mysterious attacker because of yeah. all the blood that was already on the crime scene um and this would have confused any type of test that was carried out in 1960 because it wasn't as sophisticated. Um, and it may not have pointed to an unidentified person. Uh, right. But even more troubling, apparently the semen could not be matched to either of the teenage boys. Oh. So that's weird. Yeah. That's, that's weird. not good. And unfortunately, other evidence has been lost over time. It's believed that at least two of the victims bled out completely, causing much of the tent's contents to be saturated with blood. A blanket that lined the floor and a jacket used as a pillow were returned to relatives and eventually destroyed. But but just like, but also like nobody deserves that. Yes. Like that's just so fucking brutal. That's. And it had to, like, like I said, like the sun doesn't set for very long and it doesn't get like pitch pitch black at this time of year right so like and there's people around yeah so it's very it must have happened very quickly that it's just wild and that it's still unsolved is insane but uh gustafson the only survivor would tell the tale hundreds of times over the next year um his story getting spun wildly out of control several times but his facts Mm. remain the same he claimed that he was the first one attacked and became disoriented he believed that the killer thought he was dead while he was attacking the rest of the group Mm -hmm. he stated that he had seen a glimpse of the attacker just a shadowy figure dressed in black with bright red eyes that appeared to just lay waste to his group right which sounds like the fucking Mothman. Yeah, that sounds like it, it. It sounds almost like mythological. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it, it, and I think that's why people like spun it to like make him sound like 
like he was seeing things or like making yeah. stuff up, which we'll get to. Um, but during the investigation, around 4,000 people were interviewed, which is a huge number for the population at the time. Okay. But it did yield some important information. At least two witnesses saw a man walking away from the campsite on the morning of the attacks. One mm-hmm. witness gave a brief description saying he was about 20 to 30 years old, around 5'8", regular build with light hair, wearing dark trousers and a light shirt or jacket. And okay. the pillowcase that I had mentioned uh, became one of the most confusing elements of the case. One article I read said that the prosecution and the defense of a case of one of the suspects that I'll get to, mm-hmm. both of the prosecution and the defense didn't want to include it in the evidence because of how confusing it was. And it, they couldn't they couldn't work it into either of their stories. The prosecution was so keen to have it disregarded that they claimed it had been left by previous campers. And although it is a remote possibility, it sounds kind of just desperate on their part just to be mm-hmm. like, uh, we can't fit it into our narrative, so uh, bye. Because I can't figure out where this came from. Right. Um, another mysterious element to the murders comes from a particular funeral photograph. Okay. So during his initial questioning... Gustafson was put under hypnosis, which was typical for the time during an investigation. Um, And he was asked to retrace the events in as much detail as possible. And he vaguely recalled what the alleged attacker looked like and gave the description to a composite sketch artist. And later, during one of the Bodum victims' funerals, someone took a photo that showed a man that greatly resembled this composite. And... Yes, the identity of the mysterious man remains unknown. Some believe it to be one of the uh, suspects that I'm going to get to. Other sources stated that this suspect didn't attend uh, the funerals at all. So, hmm. hit or miss. But yeah. Now we'll get into some of the suspects. There's a, there's a good number of them for this. So, okay. in the days after the murders, local worker Pauli uh, Luma was among one of the prime suspects. He was said to be in the vicinity of the campsite on the night of the murders. He had recently left town, but the police were able to track him down in a nearby town. Uh, Since he was verifiably in another place at the time of the murders, Mm -hmm. it was quickly ruled out that he wasn't a suspect anymore. Right. Um, That's a bummer, but it makes sense. Yes. Uh, Another man, uh, Penty Soinison, was charged with several violent crimes throughout the 1960s. And while in jail, he told a fellow inmate that he was the Lake Bodum murder. He claimed that he had lived near Lake Bodum at the time of the murders, but police didn't believe his confession due to uh, he had um, some mental health problems. Mm. And um, he also would have been 14 at the time of the murders. Oh. So it's kind of implausible that it would have been him. I mean, not yeah. saying a 14 year old has never murdered before, but say. like, um, but uh, that he could overpower four people over his age. Yeah. It, that's without the any thing. retaliation. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had the element of surprise speaking yeah, as devil's advocate, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's less more unlikely. Likely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Synonyms. Yes. <laughs> um, so in 1969, he actually hanged himself during a prison transportation. And this was actually on the ninth anniversary of the murders. Oh, wow. Which is weird. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, but if he also, like, devil's advocate, if he also had, like, mental health issues, then it could be that, like, that just was 
yeah. a trigger. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Maybe. Like, even if he, like, we've seen, we've covered other cases where people have claimed responsibility for horrific crimes and that hasn't been the case, but it's just because they're so unwell that they truly believe that they yeah, yeah, were yeah. responsible. I mean, it very well could be, could be as simple as that, that he felt that he really did it. Yeah. Um, and then there's also one that I, I think is probably one of the most intriguing ones, mm-hmm. which is, um, so the day after the murders, a man named, yes, it's unfortunate. His name is Hans Asman. A-S-S-M-A-N-N. So Osman? I guess he's not a tits man. No, he's an Osman. Unfortunately. He arrived at a hospital in Helsinki, which is around 10 miles away from Lake Bodum. Uh-huh. He, this is the day after the murder. So he arrived at this hospital. He was disheveled. He allegedly had dirt under his fingernails and was covered in, quote, an unidentified red liquid, end quote. All right. So I'm pretty sure great. if you went, I'm pretty sure if you went to a hospital, it'd be an identified red liquid, but whatever. I don't know. Could have been a slushy. We've all seen Could've Glee. Could have been. He repeatedly misled doctors about his identity and later claimed to be affiliated with the KGB. Mm, not great i did read Mm. i did read a little bit more about his backstory and he was uh he did serve with the german army during world war ii uh there was like like once he became a suspect it started to like spiral that he was like a guard at auschwitz but uh it was confirmed Mm -hmm. that he was a um a pilot in the uh german army still not great but still 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 not great yeah and um but and it was alleged it was alleged that he was part of the kgb i don't think that's true um but at points uh he pretended to be unconscious as a way to manipulate the doctors into seeing him quicker than other patients oh i mean i mean we're women in the american healthcare system we know that it takes sometimes a little bit extra yeah but uh but when this didn't work he became hostile towards the staff and patients and was told to leave um, no articles that I read or anything told me why he went to the hospital that day. Mm. For what reason? Um, Not But great. if you're trying to pretend that you didn't just murder three people, you might have thought four people, you probably wouldn't go directly to a hospital with their blood all over you. True. True. So. I mean, yeah. again, so I don't know. like, yeah, we don't. It's. stranger things have happened to more innocent people so like it just you don't know yeah this is gonna be this is gonna i i I like these cases but i hate these cases because this is gonna frustrate the fuck out of me like for the rest of my life but that's fine exactly this is the shit that we put up with for you you see we and you know we we don't really we don't cover too many unsolved cases because they do make me angry because i'm like like all of these suspects like sound kind of promising let's apply today's technology to some of this evidence but well and you know and sometimes you get a little goofy and you're 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 just sitting there with your thoughts and you know sometimes you go down that rabbit hole and it's not where you feel like being in that moment you just want to watch you've got mail and have a good time and instead you're thinking about well maybe there was a gardener in the jean benet ramsey case again totally hypothetical but yeah it happens it happens to the best of us clearly because look at you and me yeah 
But in addition to going to this hospital with what looks like uh, freshly murdered clothing, mm-hmm. um, reportedly what he was wearing that day actually matched the description of the suspect who was seen leaving the crime scene the morning of the murders. And when the suspect's description was released to the local media, Osman cut his hair to lessen the resemblance. Mm-hmm. I'll put I'll put on like the website or we'll put on the um, on the Instagram or whatever the side by side of the composite sketch and his face. Mm-hmm. It does look like I've seen some composite sketches and then the person that was like convicted of the crime and I'm like mm, that's a stretch or the mm. fact that you saw any kind of coincidence. This one is like it's pretty pretty close. Oh okay. And um. So when the police looked into it, uh, they found that he had a quote unquote credible alibi. I believe his alibi was that like his wife said that she was like he was home all day. And I'm like, I don't know how credible that is. I don't. Because that could be coerced. Yeah. Like. I don't know. I don't know. I. mm. And also, I think. uh, On my limited legal knowledge that like (laughs) a. Um, a spouse can choose not to testify against you? I believe it's it's not that they can choose not to. It's like, th- who did we cover? There was somebody that we covered where it was like they were trying to marry their spouse or they were married to somebody who was a key witness in the case. And because they were married to, like, it, it's like if you're married to that person, they can't testify. Maybe that's it. Maybe. I don't remember what it was. But yeah, there's, so- there's something with, with married couples. Um, but... Someone's yelling it at us right now. Don't worry. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, but that was the the quote-unquote credible alibi. Mm-hmm. And uh, suspiciously, Osman had been a murder suspect in the past. Oh? Yes. Second only to the Lake Boda murders, the case of Aluli, A-U-L-I, Kleiki, I am murdering this name, Sahari. Ali? I'm still stuck on the first name. The first she has a very Finnish name, Um, but it's one of another one of the most famous cases in Finnish history, and it involves the murder of this 17 year old girl in 1953. And Mm -hmm. Osman was a major suspect in that case. Oh shit! And I'm not going to go into too many details because that's a whole other like rabbit hole. But Um, but um, police also allegedly linked him to at least three other unsolved cases. See, like. Like, I think that that's... deserves a little bit more digging than, yes. like, a an alibi from a wife that's was... like, no, he was home. <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit more sus than the, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I feel like they could have maybe, I don't know, looked into that a little more, made, like, a slight better effort. But yeah. that's just me. Um, So... This one's a little bit of a bummer. So in March 2004, over four decades after the murders, the only survivor, Nils Gustafsson, was arrested for allegedly killing his friends. Yes. Fuck. The Finnish National Bureau of Investigation said that using new forensic analysis, blood of the three victims, but not his own, was found on his shoes that was discovered near the crime scene. Well, I mean, but didn't they bleed out and he was too busy bleeding from his fucking head? Like... I don't know, but the the investigator's theory was that he had been drinking the night of the crime, which he had been, according to, um, I think it was Bjorklund had a um, 
a, a like diary notebook or something with her and she said that uh in that notebook like the boys had been drinking so mm. I mean, and also they're 18 year olds camping like with their girlfriends like have a drink like well yeah. i think it was legal at that time 18 years say, old yeah and even um, if it wasn't most teenagers drink sorry yeah yeah come on um but uh the theory was that he had supposedly flew into a rage after being kicked out of the tent and began fighting with uh the other boyfriend boysman um and that was supposedly confirmed by someone who was staying near the campsite that night mm-hmm. uh that that they heard them fighting um, investigators theorized that Gustafson could have been compelled to murder the three because of some jealousy, possibly Bjorklund, his uh, girlfriend, rejecting him or Boisman making a pass at her. Um, that could also possibly explain why Bjorklund was uh, seemingly stabbed with more frequency than the others. Um, but this disagreement eventually, uh, in theory, escalate to the murder of his friends. And, um, he would then have to discard the shoes before somehow assaulting himself to make it look like he had been maimed by a third party. But like I said, um, he had been hit so hard that cerebral fluid That's was what I'm saying. How do you flowing from his nose. Hard? He had like, a hole in the side of his face so you could see his teeth. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, how could you do that to exactly. yourself? Like, that's where I'm like, I don't know that... Because, like, even even if, like, devil's advocate, this dude was a total and complete sociopath, even, like, everybody's got their limits. It's We've got, literally, the thing keeping us alive in our heads is controlling our actions. And at some point, enough gets to be enough where even our, our brain, no matter how, like, cuckoo bananas it may be, is going, okay, I think we're good here. And I think that if he would have gotten so drunk that he would have flown into such a blind rage that he murdered three people, I feel like some of that anger would have been, like, followed him throughout his life. Like, people would have said, no, he's Mm -hmm. a violent drunk or, like, something like that. But, like, this was not within his character for any of that. And though I will say in like retrospect now like devil's advocate again like not in his favor those wounds that he got could have been defensive like somebody else could have done it to him trying to stop well him. yeah well there's th- i think that was also the investigators like um uh theory that like he had gotten into a fight with boysman and then like cut the tent and like killed his friends and then like those know, were the residual out from industries. His, yeah, 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 passed out from his industries. Goodness gracious. Injuries. Yes. Uh, but in protesting his innocence, Gustafsson's lawyers uh, argued that his blood had been inside the tent and that being pummeled by the hands of Boisman to the point of a broken jaw would have left him in no condition to violently murder three people. Exactly. Which I think is, that's a valid argument. The lawyer also criticized the eyewitness testimony of the camper, uh, the one who said that they had heard uh, the two boys fighting that night. Um, because they, that means that that eyewitness would have stayed silent for about like 40 years. True. Um, and there's no reason why this person would have held key details. Like if you were staying in the campsite next to the most famous case in your country's history, you would have told 
the evidence by then why somebody. would you keep that quiet for 40 years somebody not e- it wouldn't doesn't even necessarily have to be like authorities but you're not for example you're not going to tell your spouse exactly okay like, i need to, this this is weighing on me like i need to tell yeah somebody. why why would you keep any of that secret but ultimately on october 7th 2005 gustafson was exonerated of the crimes and awarded 44,900 euro in damages for psychological trauma caused by the trial Honestly, I mean, like, good for him. It doesn't seem like he... I mean, granted, we don't have all the facts, but from what we do have, it doesn't seem like he was responsible. Yes. But now I'm going to talk about the very last suspect and the one that I personally believe is uh, the most likely uh, for this case. Lay it on me, baby. So that is Carl Vladimir Gilstrom. And he was the lead suspect in the murders. And he was dubbed the kiosk man by the local community because he had a nearby booth uh, that was close to Lake Bodum. And he reportedly had an intense aversion to campers. Um, mm. He would allegedly get pretty violent at times. He would tear down tents like the one in the Lake Bodum murders case where the guy ropes were cut. He would do that to campers tents um, and he would even throw rocks at people. And oh. uh, yeah, in a drunken rant, he told neighbors that he was the murderer and that he had stashed the evidence in his well and he later filled in that well so (gasps) uh you couldn't find any of the evidence which would kind of make sense because the murder weapons were never found so maybe they were in this well but like these neighbors they didn't go to the police and they weren't like hey our neighbor is telling us that He's got these murder weapons from this famous murder that isn't solved. I don't know. And they're in his well. And nobody thinks to drill out the well? I don't know if you can drill it out. I don't know what the the logistics of that are. I don't know. I have no well. But um, he he said it in like a drunken rant. So I think maybe when he sobered up, he's like, oh, I got this fucking like shit in my well. Let me uh, let me cover that shit up. But also... Again, nobody remembers the phrase drunk thoughts, sober words or sober thoughts, drunk words. What? I don't know yeah, the I phrase know. either, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but the police were suspicious of this confession because they believed that he was uh, mentally unstable. Gotcha. Uh, I, I think he sounds a little unstable, especially because he would like be violent with campers that were like near the I was campsite. Say. But um, that doesn't mean that he couldn't have been a witness uh he couldn't have been responsible exactly unstable Um, enough that he allegedly could have done it yes nonetheless they investigated his property and they found no evidence tying him to the crimes um oh i i fucked it up osman's uh alibi was not that he was with his wife that night that's this guy's alibi i don't remember what osman i don't remember what osman's alibi was but um so when Gilstrom's wife was interviewed, she said that he was home in bed with her at the time of the murders. However, she changed her story on her deathbed, claiming that she believed that he was her husband was actually the murderer. Oh, on her deathbed, on. she says this. Yeah. Unfortunately, the police never tested Gilstrom's DNA, and uh, by this time, it was yeah. too late. Gilstrom drowned in Lake Bodum in 1969. The lake took him. I don't know. And also the same year that the other suspect hanged himself, which is weird. It's right? it's it's like it's like final destination meets I know what you did last summer. The lake exactly. takes back. Oh, I would I would watch that movie. Yeah. Let's write that movie. 
According to some reports, he left a suicide note. Some people think he drowned. Some people said, think that like he took his own life. Um, but one account that I read said Gilstrom told a friend that he was the murderer. Um, and this friend didn't believe him. And when Gilstrom asked the friend what he should do, the friend said, quote, you should drown yourself because you'll be spending the rest of your life in prison. End quote. I mean. And he did drown. That's what I'm in saying. In Lake Bodum. That's really yeah. fucked. That's yeah. either that's like a case of severe, like Alanis Morissette couldn't have written it better irony. Yeah. Or I mean. That's a little weird. A little I, weird. A little sus. Um, in October 2016, a local politician named Ulf Johansson released a book about the murders, which I'll get to. I don't. I don't think it got rated that well, but it's all right. Uh, In the book, Johansson theorizes that Gilstrom, the kiosk man, was in fact a killer. Johansson grew up in the area and experienced his violent tendencies firsthand. According to the book, witnesses had seen Gilstrom leaving the murder scene, but they were all too scared to tell the police. Additionally, the book asserts that the police almost instantly dismissed the plethora of other material that was previously unknown to the public due to language limitations, like I'd mentioned, mm-hmm. amongst other factors. So, uh, Johansson truly believes that it was Gilstrom who did it, and I think it is the most likely of the suspects that was laid out. I mean, evidence that you got is pretty... I mean, pretty it's damning. questionable at best, yeah. Like, yeah. it's... I don't know. Yeah. That book is, um, it's basically the legend of Bodum, but it's fin- It's in Finnish um, by Ulf Joh- Johansson, and it only has one one-star review on Goodreads. Oh, but that doesn't count. That, that could, could just be, just be Goodreads. Hater. That could just be Goodreads. Um, there's also the Lake Bodum murders. Also, we're into the pop culture section now. <laughs> um, the Lake Bodum murders by DZ Matt Demas. Mm-hmm. It has a 3.33 out of 5 on Goodreads. And I couldn't tell if these are both the same book or he wrote two books about the case. But also by DZ Matt Demas was The Lake Bodum Blood Murders, The Reapers Calling to Bring You Home. And that has a 3 out of 5 on Goodreads. For the life of me, I could not tell if they were both the same book or that <laughs> one is a, an updated version. I couldn't tell. Um, but... One of the most famous pieces of pop culture about this case is the movie Bodum. It's also called Lake Bodum. It came out in 2016. Oh, rec- oh, I guess not recently. Damn. It's, I know, right? You think like, oh, yeah. It's us again. Oh, God. Yeah, right. Okay, here we go. It has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 41% audience score, 69% on Google, and a 5.2 out of 10 on IMDb. The synopsis is, quote, Four friends are spending the night on Lake Bodum, where unsolved murders took place many years ago. The young men are determined to venture into the dense forest to solve the mystery, end quote. Okay. Um, According to Screamfest LA's review, the movie, quote, creatively weaves the facts from the biggest unsolved murder case in Finnish history with its own standalone story, end quote. Um, So it's one of those, like, the the new version of the town that dreaded sundown. It's, Mm. like, playing on, like... We, like we know about the case already this isn't like about the the actual case it's like we know that murders happened here and now it's like a group of people trying to like figure out what happened and then right. spookiness ensues um but yeah you can i believe watch it on it was one of, i think it was on one of those free channels hold on let me find out to be or pluto 
yeah, those are like the best. Thank oh, God. Oh, it's on the. You can watch it on the Roku channel with a premium mm. subscription. Mm. Um, also, Amazon Prime with a premium subscription, but you could also rent it or buy it on, I think, just buy it on Vudu, YouTube, uh, or Google Play movies. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, you might also, it doesn't say it here, but I thought you could watch it on Shudder. You probably can. Pro- yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Um, but that's that. And another interesting bit. I think we've covered stuff like this before. Um, this is a band. Okay. And their name is the Children of Bodom. And oh. they, <laughs> it's a little iffy. They formed in 1993 and split in 2019. And they were a Finnish melodic death metal band from Espo. Espoo? Sure. Uh, they were originally named Inearthed. But they changed their name in order to sign with Spine Farm Records. Uh, they looked for names in the local phone book and came across Lake Bodum, and they realized it was uh, a name that had an interesting story behind it. So um, a long list of possible names, including the word Bodum, was made, and they settled on the children of Bodum. And I think one of the most uh, troubling parts of this band, they're always like death metal bands, by yep. the way, um, but something that not a lot of these bands we've talked about has done. On February 1st, 2019, the band released a craft beer called Lake Bodum Pre-Prohibition Lager that was brewed with water from Lake Bodum. Uh, That's a little iffy, right? I'm, I'm not in love with that. No, and you're going to be less in love with this. In a statement they released about the beer, they said it would be perfect for, quote, socializing, dinner, headbanging, or lakeside camping, end quote. Uh, uh, that's, like... That's not, like, That's cool. not funny. Yeah. Like... Like, three people were still murdered, and one, like, life-changingly three injured. Three people were murdered, and one person's three friends were fucking murdered. Exactly. Like, and then he was accused of... Said murder. Committing the yes. murders. Yeah. Like, it's not... It, it, this ain't cute. Like, that's that's gross. I don't. It's a love little that. rude. I'm not a fan. Well, they're not a band anymore. They split in 2019, and this beer came out in 2019. So maybe this was the fucking nail in the coffin. I mean, for them, but whatever. I don't know. It could be related. Could be. Um, but that is the story. That of is Lake a Bodum story. Murders. That is like damn. Yeah. Shout out to Ranker. Uh, they usually give me, like, uh, they have, like, really interesting headlines and really interesting, like, titles to stuff. And that's how I found a lot of these, like, a little bit more obscure ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the the bus kidnapping one. Um, shout out to Ranker. Thanks for suggesting cool episodes. Um, the one article that I referenced a couple of times that had um, some of the more in-depth information is i i can't speak to how true it is um but it was a very in-depth article and it's on darkideas.net okay it was about the lake boda murders um so it's good to know so yeah and it like i said our finnish listeners will probably have more information on this like it'll be like their biggest like john benet ramsey ish case Mm -hmm. so um if anyone has any um more insight into this case especially because there were a ton like 
there were more books about this case, but I believe that they were in Finnish. Ah, I see. So I wouldn't be able to like read them. And I don't know how difficult it is to find translations of these books. Okay. Okay. So uh, if anybody knows any more information, I would actually really like to know because this is a very interesting case. Yeah, this sounds fascinating. Yeah. But other than that, um, I'll try to post a bunch of stuff. I'll look on our um, our website for some crime scene photos and some more information. I'll post that side by side of the composite and the the suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the photo that was taken at the funeral that was like iffy. Uh, um, why we gotta do but, that? Yeah, our website is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com, and uh, when you're there. You can also check out our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, there's also the link to our Patreon there where you can join for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's it, right? I, I, I think you caught everything. Um, we love you. We miss yeah. you. We hope you're doing well. We want well. everyone to stay safe and yes. happy and healthy. Especially this pride. Be, mm-hmm. be safe. Watch your drinks, take your pills, get your tests, do all of the fun stuff, but also do all of the stuff to keep yourself safe. Um, Beware of large groups. We had an episode about uh, the danger of crowds, Mm -hmm. not only because of uh, COVID. There's still there's still a (laughs) pandemic. Yeah, there's still a pandemic happening, but there are uh, some a little bit more unhinged people in our lives that are, uh, you know, unpredictable and you want to just know your know where your exits are yeah and not even necessarily unhinged like we talked about it like there's there's kind of like just not a mob mentality so to speak but sometimes people start pushing forward and it becomes like a domino effect and just be careful be safe i'm talking about people with um uh, uh, uh weapons that shouldn't be made available to um, ah. the large portions of uh, uh, civilized society. Also that. Also that. So, you know, know where your exits Just are. Stay things. in a group. Be safe. Uh, I would love to go to New York Pride again this year, but... Um, I don't know. Just being in a in a big crowd right now just doesn't feel like the vibe for me. No. Um, I, went to, uh, I went to a little Pride uh, celebration today in the town over for me and it was super fun so go to your local pride learn about um the support for lgbtqia plus community in your own community and what you can do to um support hell yeah yeah you love to see right. it we love to see it um so yeah i think that's it and with all of that we're gonna see you next tuesday bye Bye.